Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minutes, the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can find me on social media at No Clutch Nate. And I'm Father David Mowry, a Catholic priest of the Diocese of Joliet in Illinois. All righty. Thank you for joining us this week. It's been absolutely fascinating. Oh, it's been and... a great week. I've had a ton of fun. <laughs> Today, we're talking about minute number 110, which is going to start with Martha Kent taking out the trash. Uh, well, half take out, out the trash. trash. Taking out half the trash. How do you take out half the trash? Got two I think bags. she has two bags. Yeah. Okay, I guess that does count as taking out half the trash. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was recycle. You just leave it there, okay? <laughs> uh, and then the minute's going to end with Batman igniting the bat signal. So we are entering a new act in this minute. Yeah. Lighting um, the bat signal is the beginning of Act 3. I would agree. Bef- but not before these headlights on this car ignite mm. behind Martha Kent. Um, you think those are halogen bul- bulbs? Oh, the, yeah, those For are those sure. those are those LED ones, right? Oh. Everyone's switching over to that. Isn't that safer for them? I don't know these things. Anyway, Luther, Luther Corp is very environmentally conscious. They they're very they're a very green company, so I'm sure they're LED lights. Oh, mm-hmm. they are green. Kryptonite. Hey. Whoa! I see Whoa. what you did there. Um, Zack yes. Snyder, we've said it so many times, but he is a master at directing like horror elements within a story. I mean, mm-hmm. his first major film was the Dawn of the Dead thing. And he's in Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice, that's still prevalent. And so when yeah. he wants something to be scary... It's For scary. better or worse, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And uh, nothing scarier than having someone like Martha Kent be snuck up by people that are... Blacked well, she, she gets kidnapped. Like, so, yeah. you know, let's go ahead and put that out there. Yeah, um, Martha Kent getting kidnapped. That's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I, know what, I know we needed to kidnap her for the story, but did it have to be this realistic? You know, just maybe... You know, but you know, if it, it's being directed by Zack Snyder, so it's going to be pretty spooky. Yeah. Um, so maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a, maybe that's one of the reasons why you don't like this film because maybe it's it, <laughs> just the one scene. He said earlier, it's like you know, he said <laughs> I was he fine like, with everything, but that scene when Martha gets kidnapped that was too scary for me. Yeah. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I remember you saying you didn't like horror movies. I was like, oh, maybe this is one of those things that, like, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's a little too dark for me. No, I, I don't know. I always have a problem with, with scenes like this because you're always trying, because my brain's always going to, okay, how do I get out of this scenario? Is there an opening that she gets? And, you know, she doesn't really have an opening. So, all right, fair enough. She she gets mom-napped. Uh, the... The thing I was thinking of was watching this scene is I, I bet Martha wishes that she had told her son that she he should definitely be a hero. I bet she's regretting telling him, oh, don't be a hero. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, like it goes to the like how we had this question in Man of Steel. Like how often did Clark like actually save his parents from things or like do heroic acts for them? So like maybe Martha is a complete stranger to Clark doing acts of heroic deeds. So maybe she's not even thinking like, oh, my son will just save me. 
or the complete opposite where she's just gotten so far like used to the fact that Clark just always shows up whenever she's in trouble. So mm-hmm. now she's just like, oh my God, where's Clark? Where's Clark? Where's Clark? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I tell him not to be a hero? That was stupid, yeah. stupid, stupid. Yeah. That's, I like that. I like that reasoning. Because we, ha- we have no sense of how much time has passed. Well, no, we do. It's what, 18 months? Like a year and a half between Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice? Yeah, 18 months from the beginning of this movie, and then I'm convinced that some amount of time goes yeah, we're, past we're this movie. Yeah, we're some months into uh, yeah, the start so, of this film. Because yeah. Man of Steel is really when Superman starts you know, doing Superman stuff. Up to that point, Jonathan was saying, no, don't show your powers. No, no, don't come and save me. So as a kid, yeah. I don't think Clark was doing a lot of mom saving. But now, in the last year and a half, yeah, how often has Clark shown up to... You know, not just open the pickle jar, but to you know save her from a crash or what have you. Yeah, she could, I, she could have been out I picking just, nighttime apples, I'd, and like the apple tree could have been falling. It's like, boom, mom, glad I'm here. <laughs> I have to, I would have to be like okay with like not depending on my son or or, or just people in general. We've talked about this before. Like people should just not be dependent on. Hey, Superman will come save me. Like you, that it's should true. that shouldn't be a thing. It's you shouldn't true. like. You shouldn't put that burden on a person like that. Oh, like oh, they'll just come and save me. Like no, maybe uh, you know, you know, I don't know. Just not depend on that. Like yeah. But you are know, you saying it's it Martha's happens, fault that she got kidnapped? Are you I'm blaming the victim here? Uh, no, not at all. I'm saying it, no. It'd be it'd be worse. Could to, she have run back into the restaurant and be been all right? Like I don't. She, I don't think so because that car was coming up on her and. The door was behind her leg. I I worked all the angles. Like how how do you get out all of this? Right. What's what's the survival technique? I think the only survival Jump technique is you know to have pepper spray in your purse in this situation yeah. or something. Yeah, jump into the dumpster, dumpster is not an option. <laughs> Jumping into the dumpster is a bad option. I'm in the dumpster already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was I was leaning towards like it would be not. Don't blame the victim, but also don't blame <laughs> Superman for not being there because that you know. It's, it's, his own person it's true yeah it's I don't true. Know. you can spin that in any way you it want. is but, it is true but that is what superman does he is a guy who saves people that that is who he is so i don't know mm-hmm. and he, you he know, shows it, yeah anyway it's probably like this anyway. is you know all part of uh she's plan or all part of Luther's <laughs> plan where it's like uh you know this is the this is a prime moment to mom nap Martha Kent, where it's like, yeah, he's down in the dumps. We did this capital bombing. Like, he, you know, he's absent now because I've demoralized this character. Now is the time where I can kidnap her without suffering any repercussions because I know I can get away with it now. Yeah. Right? Like, this is what it's all been. Like, Lex Luthor has had two years to plan all of this. So when did the capital when did the when did the bombing happen? Was it a day ago or was it like this morning? Didn't Nancy Grace just say that in like I don't know. yesterday's minute? What did she say? I don't know. I, I, whatever <laughs> we, Nancy we turned Grace her said. off. We weren't listening. We changed <laughs> yeah. the channel. Yeah, I, I, it, it seems to me that it's at least two days, like a day or two after the capital bombing. That's the sense oh, I yeah. get because you got to you got to give Clark enough time to find a, a warm hat and get up onto the mountains. And also yeah. for uh, Bruce Wayne to, to have the conversation with Alfred and to make all yeah. the armor and to yeah. do his whole training montage. He only did he only did the super weightlifting for two days. <laughs> just that's, the, yeah, that's not how games show, work. Yeah, just show <laughs> muscles. 
Please quote that. That's not how games work. <laughs> Father David Mowry. That's not a noted exercise expert. This is not a fitness yeah. podcast, everyone. Do, yeah. do not, do not take our advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking about gains, uh, are we done with the Martha part? Are we done with the Martha part? This is. I'm, it, I'm, it, it, there's not much to say else about the Martha part. Let's talk about bat armor. Wait. The Martha part is a direct image of Lois getting kidnapped from Man of Steel. It is. Good call, Ooh, my young Padawan. The same one. Yeah. The same, same shot for shot same thing. of, you know, you trying to walk away from this threat and then in from the left side, same exact mm-hmm. shot, Van comes screeching in, halting, slides the door open, kidnap person, bring him into vehicle drive. Phantom off. Zone Nathan Hardy should have showed up and been like, did you miss me? I'm <laughs> here to kidnap you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really did happen the same exact shot. Wow. And, uh, well, Zack Snyder yeah. knows what he likes. He's nothing poetry. if not consistent. It's play, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Mm-hmm. It rhymes. Um, we right, get what I thought was going to be always in this film, which is the the light eyes Batman. Oh, the, that, yeah. Okay. That he would always, in his suit, would just With have, kung fu grip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... That he would always, like, no matter what suit he was wearing, that we would get the comic book white eyes yeah. Batman. Uh, we get it with this armor, and it's cool and everything, but I, I want that always. Like, I think that's such a cool thing for Batman to have um, is just that look. And uh, the armor is cool, too. Um, it looks good when he's not moving in it. He it looks does seem a little clunky. He looks very stiff. When he's moving around in that armor, I, I mean the it's it's a it's a direct lift from the Dark Knight Returns book, and in terms of costume design, it's great. The execution ugh, could be a little better. It's the you know same problem that um, uh, Nolan's Batman had, you know, trying to get enough flexibility without losing protection. But here is Batman now in in full Dark Knight mode. Is that the fault of wardrobe or is that the fault in like the character itself? Is that like, hey, we know it's a clunky suit, but that's only because Batman just wants the suit already. It's not, it's not, I think it's neither. It's solely because Dark Knight Returns exists. And solely because so it's that Frank it's, Miller's it's, fault. It, yeah, all right, let's go about it. It's Frank Miller's it's fault. It's someone's fault. I got to know <laughs> whose fault it is. Who is to Frank blame? Miller, who is responsible? Had, yeah, he had the idea that there's only one way that Batman can go toe-to-toe with Superman, and it's to have this giant metal suit, which is dumb. No, it's dumb. It's just dumb. Like, it well, no, works here's, for the comic. It's cool. It's a cool reveal, but it's just dumb. Well, here's here's what figure. I think, because I was, I was reading up on the, the armor and you know, how it translated from the source in the comic book to now, and the article I read was making the argument that in Frank Miller's book, the bat armor shows up as the purest form of Batman's fall, that he is at his most grotesque. Yeah, and this he needs it. Dumb, clunky armor. And because it, it's it's an outward sign of the inward um, uh, degradation of the Batman character. We don't get that here. There's there's no because you can't do the same thing like you do in a comic book where in Frank Miller, he was going from a more classic design for the Batman's character into this kind of big, lumpy, grotesque, weird looking man mm-hmm. robot. 
Whereas Hero is just all of a sudden a man now. <laughs> Twisted and evil. It's it's literally hate armor. He is he is he has armored himself with his hatred for Superman. Mm-hmm. I like that hate armor. Write <laughs> mm-hmm. me down. Oh man, um, we got to talk about some of these things on that's graffitied on the wall because if we didn't, then our listener society are we, keep, are we keeping it to that that armor? Like this is just that's it. Like <laughs> oh no, I was gonna keep oh, we're right. gonna keep talking about the armor. Like we every gotta keep talking. Armor. We gotta talk the about armor the armor shows up throughout the entire we gotta, scene. So we'll yeah, talk we gotta it. talk about yeah. this armor every minute we see it. In, but. <laughs> yeah. Right off the bat, I'm not the biggest fan of this bat armor. Like, I I appreciate it, okay? Aesthetically? I know it exists in the world. Yeah, it's it's like, okay, I get it. It's cool in Dark Knight Returns when, like, he actually uses, like, the plug-in to, like, the city where he uses the power and stuff. Like, yeah. that's, that's cool. Uh, it's cool that, like, you have, like, some cool hydraulic engine that like when you throw a punch, the hydraulic engine kicks into place and that punch becomes like 200 horsepower after that. That's awesome. But just having this, like there was no fanfare to this armor beat. Like we didn't get to see it being built. We didn't see him in like the lavas of Mount doom hammering away at this armor because it's the only substance metal that (laughs) Kryptonians can't break. It's not like we didn't get a forging scene from this like armor. So like, it's really just, it shows up. It's like, Oh yeah, that's because he uses that same armor in the comics. Yeah. Right. And we have to know that to appreciate it. And that's lame. There's two things I would say about the bat suit. And, And one later in the, in the, in our adventure to cover this minute by minute, will I, bring it out of like hey actually i'm okay with the suit for the most part but this i need to address and we'll get to it when, when we get there All right the second thing is oh what is, a tease <laughs> this this armor looks like it's been used there's a clear cut straight across the cow like crossing through one eye oh yeah so have you worn this like the batmobile i understand you use that batmobile to you know to really cause some violence like we understand that the batman would use that vehicle more you know whenever he needs to and whenever he needs to go through a building yeah and it's seen some damage i understand that that is a used and abused batmobile but this is a used and abused armor thing like when are you putting that on like Like, when did he build it when did yeah (laughs) and i don't think we talked about this when we when we did minute 27 but you know I don't even think he was building the armor then. I think no, Alfred, Alfred was, was building the tactical I think armor. He was building the tactical suit that yeah. we've seen Justice League because it's not even remotely close to how this looks, but uh-huh. it was metal. And um, and I don't understand. I don't see what when this movie was coming out, and I said it earlier, but I thought that this armored bat suit was a, a byproduct of similar to Spider Man Homecoming when they are salvaging the parts of the alien technology. Like, I. Batman got his hands on broken Kryptonian tech and was like, "Well, let me use this to defeat huh? Superman. Let me build this." That's a suit. interesting. And see, like it, it, that would make sense. Like, oh, that's this cool. Is, this oh, is repurposed like, stills of like General Zod's armor. Yeah. And, like, and let that me, and, let me. And that would tie yeah. into what what Batman is up to earlier in the movie. He's investigating all these underworld deals, and in the process of an investigation, he could have come across like a shipment of the Kryptonian power suit or what have you. And yeah. like, oh, this, this is useful. I'll, I'll, I'll make use of this. But of course, how he does that without Alfred knowing is it's a big, it's a question. I just, I, I can't quite 
wrap my head around because Alfred's just so involved in everything. Oh, Master, there's yeah. another two tons of titanium here for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, that's another interesting about Alfred is like, despite the the conflict between him and Bruce, he's still at, at the end of the day is like, yes, Master, I will help you build this suit. I will yeah. get your Batmobile ready to go fight thugs in a in a uh, ship shipping dock like mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah i don't really agree with what you want to do but you know let's get ready for your superman fight you know like so it's really interesting that a character like that doesn't at one point you know go hey you know what i'm done i'll see you yeah later. do we have well i don't know do we ever see alfred um helping with the the kryptonite prep like all the weapons that batman makes we never see alfred in any of those scenes yeah, I think he made it a point to be distant from it, but, like, was mm. still, like, there. Like, we get it way later on where, like, Alfred has been listening in the entire thing, so, like, he's been there. But, like, yeah. I think it's right as, like, Batman hits the garage door close. Like, mm -hmm. Alfred's like, all right, he gets up out of his room and, like, walks to the computer room and turns everything on. He's like, okay, I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> he just he needed a way for him to leave the house and be like, oh, okay, I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my job now. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, this the suit... I like it. I like the design of it. I mean, it's it's really cool. There's just there's just so many questions for it, and uh, it really does. Um, I guess the marketing helps set you up to expect it. I mean, and that's what marketing is for. So you don't have to have the movie explain it, right? I mean, like, <laughs> why is this suit of armor here? But like, here it is, and and we knew it was coming. Um, so we're not questioning how it got made, or you know, like why is he wearing it or anything. It's just as soon as we see the suit of armor, we go, oh, he's going to fight Superman now. Yeah. So, because well, that's what the suit of armor was known for. But yet, yeah. everybody looks over like the, what is it? In Court of Owls, they had, or not even in Court of Owls. Yeah, they had like a giant mech suit in Court of Owls. They mm -hmm. also had in later on the Hellbat suit that like all the members of the Justice League helped Batman build to go to Apocalypse. Like there's just really other cool suits of armor but I don't know. It just seems like this one is only known for. Yep, that's the one he fights Superman in. And I don't believe it. I, suit. I can't believe that that's this weathered suit that has nicks and, yeah. and stuff in it. Like, yeah, that, that's a good dang. point about it being lived in. That is odd. Yeah, yeah. You must have fought like Bane in this suit, and you're like, it worked against Bane. I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's like that must have been it. Like. You fought the Court of Owls in it at some point or something. Like, <laughs> you've worn this before. Yeah. Unless it's just that, like, put together so quickly that maybe that's why it looks interesting. But um, I do, I'm a huge fan of this, this bat signal moment that we get here. And man, are the shots beautiful with, like, the the shot of Batman actually ripping the the, the cover off the signal. We get, like, this uh, shot of the bat signal at like a, a disposition and you only get to see part of the signal, but you can see it light up and like mm -hmm. just really good cinematography from Larry Fong and stuff. And just a beautiful, just this establishing shot of the bat signal and Batman with the white led eyes and mm -hmm. like just great design work. And then there's lightning flashing. So you get to see the Batman. And then when the lightning is gone, it's complete blackness and it's just a bat symbol and the two white eyes. It's just amazing. I just, I'm in love with this whole, yeah. like these are one of those things that whether you like Zack Snyder or not, you know what he excels at, and it's like this man has a lot of vision, and so he's like, 
I want to see this. And yeah. so they make that. And he's, so, he's a good, he's a good filmmaker. He makes good movies. He knows how to craft a scene. It's just that he didn't quite nail it with this movie. Even in the extended edition, the, the shots are great, but the plot and the structure just suffers so much from you know, having to pull in these adaptations. Uh, I, I agree that the, the, the scene on film is great. It's a little undercut by the Hans Zimmer score, though. You're just kind of being bludgeoned to death with sound to stress how important this moment is. I'm it's loud. I'm trying to think. I think <laughs> this might. So the Batman theme in this film was created by Junkie XL. So they worked together on it. So Junkie okay. XL actually did this one. Oh. What's odd, because Hans Zimmer was like, I already did Batman. I don't want to make another Batman theme. Uh, Junkie, why don't you just make the Batman theme? And so he said, all right, I will. And, you know, so Junkie XL, and he worked on Man of Steel too, but he didn't get any credit for it. But, like, Hans Zimmer, this was, like, after this film, Hans Zimmer kind of was like, you know what? I'm not going to do superhero themes anymore. I think I'm done here. Um, So Junkie did this one, and... uh, and he just laid down it. across the keyboard to get the sound. <laughs> it's a very gothic, like opera yeah. sound. It, it, you know, it is very opera. It sounds like it should be raining. It sounds like it should be raining. Yeah. <laughs> no, when you listen to the track by itself, you go, all right, I'm probably sitting near my iron bar window of Gotham yeah. City. And <laughs> there's gargoyles and like you. And you, a bat flies through the window and I'm supposed to take it as a life learning experience. my dad's talking yeah. to me through the embodiment <laughs> of a bat like <laughs> no but like yeah I and mean, i always got a very you know as this if you take the time to listen to this whole theme like as the theme plays out it's a very danny elfman theme which is ironic because he did justice league but was the it theme itself good. i've always um my perfect image of gotham city is danny elfman gotham city like or danny elfman bruce or Tim Burton, mm-hmm. Gotham City, because like the music that he did in Returns, and then like how Gotham looks in that, and then again I got it a little bit in Justice League. Like that's my perfect Gotham City. Mm-hmm. So with this sounding like Danny Elfman, I'm okay with it. It sounds, yeah, it's a big fanfare. Yeah, uh, without mm-hmm. sounding like hey, I'm just gonna reuse themes. Yeah, like it is loud though. It is loud. I remember uh, this was uh, the theme that they released uh, to like market the film. They were like, "Oh, you get one free track from the new upcoming soundtrack," and it was this one. Was it? Oh yeah, I want to see this movie. (laughs) Yeah, you remember when they had the? I think it was this scene, and uh, he lit up the signal, and Superman was in the in the shot of it, but like his eyes were red. Yeah, this Mm -hmm. this scene that we're seeing here was the San Diego Comic Con teaser that to this day no one has ever really seen except if you were at Hall H. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, yeah, guess what? Man, a Steel sequel doesn't exist. We're making a Batman v Superman movie instead. And also we did this. And then it's like we got Batman. What we get is Batman ripping. I don't even think he rips off the the canvas off the, the, the bat signal. We just get the igniting of the bat yeah, signal. Yeah, the sparks. We get the quote, tell me, do you bleed? Superman's mm-hmm. up in the air. Eyes are red. It cuts to black, says you will, and then Bat, Bat- Batman v Superman. That's mm-hmm. the title or something like that. So that was it. So that's what people were teased with. And uh, 
Yeah, I guess that it got me excited. It got it got, it got a lot of people excited. Yeah, when you saw film... when you saw Batman in was Batman in the armor in that teaser? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, because and that's so did what that was... get you excited because you recognized where that armor came from and, and the story that's of the what it was. returns. Yeah, that's and that's what it was. And that's yeah. like Yeah, and And they also read uh excerpt from the Dark Knight Returns as like Oh. As their way of announcing that they were doing this film, they read the excerpt of Batman telling Superman, you know, when he defeats Superman in the comic book, like, oh, I want you to remember say, the one man, the, yeah. yeah, the one man who beat you, yeah, and you know, and they read that, and so people got excited that this was the movie that they were doing, and it's like that's not the movie they're doing. They just, <laughs> but it's no, okay because it's <laughs> I like the movie that they did do, but you gotta you get you. You got to cut the Batman v Superman thing off the title. You can't. Uh, don't do that. Just call, <laughs> sell that. Just don't, just don't do like, it. You, you, well, you sell can, it. You can sell that, but if like, that's what your movie was, but it's, it's really not what this movie's about. It's about Donald Justice. It's like, well, yeah, because here we are, Superman's 110 minutes into this movie, and we have not had Batman v Superman yet, yeah, and we yeah, won't for another getting... like 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, we've got the the we've gotten the ideology, the verses, uh-huh. like the conflicting the ideas. Like we've gotten the Batman v Superman on like we've a philo- motive. We've gotten the philosophical battle, yeah. which is fine. We but just haven't it, gotten the punches yet. That's still yeah, but that's <laughs> we still haven't gotten the violence. But it's still the dawn of justice <laughs> is what we've been going for. Like this, we are in the darkest moments, but the dawn is coming. Like that's okay. Like that should have been the title. Just keep it like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, for marketing purposes, we should probably call it Batman v Superman. But it's like you're lying. <laughs> Not really. You're just like you're you're misleading overselling. people. And, yeah, you're overselling. Like, it's overselling. like oh, this is we're finally here. hundred and almost two hours in, and we finally got what we thought we were getting. No. But it's like don't uh, you know? Next time, maybe just be real about the story you want to tell. And Donna Justice is a great title, and. It, I think it properly explains where we're going with this and, and all that. But, you know, we thought we were just going to see Batman and Superman fight each other. So now to go to go back a bit before we light the bat signal, uh, I got a little nervous when uh, Batman was thrusting the kryptonite spear into the concrete because kryptonite does not look very sturdy it does not mm. you know seem like it's a very uh durable material so i, I think right. batman's very lucky that the point of the spirit did not shatter when he jammed it into the ground like that yeah it seems like it should have i don't know <laughs> we got <laughs> i'm just imagining batman there just standing here with the, the stick and just kind of moving it up and down impotently yeah. <laughs> like well i guess i go home now never mind yeah, yeah if it should i mean and like he was like crafting it with like a laser and like cutting it all off but like mm-hmm. what happened to the pieces that he didn't use like what happened to the other pieces shaved off to make this spirit? i think i think that's what he Did used to make the grenades away? oh yeah you gotta use yeah. every part of the kryptonite buffalo <laughs> yeah it's very true dang but um all right so what do we got here Oh, you also, uh, we, we started talking about the graffiti, and the only thing I was able to pick out in the graffiti yeah. was the Riddler question mark. Which, like, I see this the, the, the stylization from the Riddler. I'm on the side of none of this graffiti means anything. <laughs> it's just graffiti <laughs> for graffiti's sake. Because it's like, why it try means... to pick apart things and Batman and pull, v Superman, it means nothing. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> 
Like, I think, okay, it's cool if that is the Riddler's question mark. That's cool. That's, I'll, I'll give it to you. That's the Riddler's question mark. But then, like, you got, what, Joe and Maya? Like, that's not, oh, Joe's garage, oh, the Joker. No, shut up. That's just somebody's name. Uh, <laughs> it's just, come on. Like, I, okay, the Riddler has a question mark there, but why does the Riddler need to have a graffitied question mark there? Did, did he sleep here for a night? There's no reason behind it. I don't know. People finding meaning behind useless items in there's a lot of things in this movie that do mean stuff, like a lot of mm-hmm. numbers mean things and whatnot. But then, like when you have something blatantly in your face like that, it just don't don't try to pull meaning from it and make it. It's like the three like of clubs in the diner. It's just full of symbolism if you know what to look exactly, for. Exactly, exactly. And I'm guilty <laughs> of saying that. <laughs> well. Now, the other thing I noticed in the background in this scene, as as the camera is kind of panning over the rooftop, you see the Gotham City News Tower behind yeah. Batman, which is a nice touch. I like that. I like how they try to make it, unlike the Dark Knight, where it's obviously Chicago. It is just yeah. so obviously Chicago. It hurts here. They're at least like, oh, yeah, it's Gotham. It's a different city that you don't know. And see, here's this this landmark in the skyline that you uh that you would recognize if you're from gotham i liked that that was nice yeah yeah well it's it it makes it seem more expansive than it should be but it also keeps it in the same universe as gotham city which is what i like which is why they needed to have non actual tv newscasters like mm. throw in some gotham city newscasters mm-hmm. snapper car i'm always <laughs> That's, that's neither here nor there. We're not on TV anymore. Um, do we have a Christ in the Cape? Oh, uh, yeah. So for the, the last installment of Christ and the Cape, um, this is more in terms of the overall themes of the movie and why ultimately I think the, the Jesus symbolism that Snyder at all try to use for Superman doesn't really work. Because I think at, at base, you drill down and this movie really uh, embodies the philosophy of Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche famously uh, posited that um, morality was something invented by the weak in order to protect themselves. And there needed to be, uh, there there are in the world, these uh, figures that he called the Ubermensch, the supermen mm-hmm. who are able to yeah. overcome the, the morality of the weak and define their own right and wrong as the uh, ultimate expression of free choice. I, I, I get to go beyond good and evil. I get to choose what is right and wrong. And Batman v Superman as a movie is, is very Nietzschean. There's a lot of tones of that kind of mentality here because you have these two supermen defined by their own morality who are trying to crush one another. And that's what Nietzsche posited as the effect of when supermen come into conflict, they try to crush each other in their towers of power. Uh, And so we have here these two Superman figures. On the one hand, you have literally Superman. And on the other, you Mm -hmm. have Batman, who is a billionaire who has access to anything he wants, even a, you know, big mech suit of armor from nowhere. And, uh, Batman is reacting against the presence of this other Superman, this this other individual that limits my choice. And I don't think I'm off base when I when I you know see these themes because Zack Snyder very famously has been trying to get a movie version of The Fountainhead made, which is an uh, the, a famous Ayn Rand novel. Yeah, 
And Ayn Rand's philosophy draws, it has, well, I shouldn't say draw, but it has a lot of parallels with Nietzsche's philosophy, where the ultimate standard of behavior is individual choice. Um, It's a position called ethical egoism. I should always act in my own self-interest. That is always the best thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to altruism, which is where I have an obligation to do good for others. Um, You can see this in Batman. Bruce Wayne's character is a really perfect ethical egoist. And even more explicitly in the Frank Miller source material, he is a radical individualist. He holds himself above the law. He does what he wants. And in the Dark Knight Returns story, he's squaring off against Superman, who is presented as a government uh, collaborator and you know something of a stooge in Batman's eyes. The problem here in in Batman v Superman is that Superman is also kind of an ethical egoist. I mean, it, it's it's the position that his parents are kind of trying to get him to adopt. You know, be their hero or don't be. You don't owe this world a thing. Act in your own self interest, Clark. Just make that choice. Or you know, Jonathan in in, in the the parable of the flood or and talking about how uh, Martha becoming his world was the way that he found good in the world again. It's, it's choosing to care about the people that are meaningful to you. And just to look ahead a little bit, to cheat a bit, we see that Superman takes that on. He says, this is my world. You are my world. He says that to Lois, which motivates him to make a dramatic choice. But he does so because of the personal meaning that his relationship with Lois has. I, I think that's why this movie doesn't quite work because there is no actual ideological conflict between Superman and Batman. You've got Batman who is very much an ethical egoist, like, okay, I'm, I'm always want to act. I want to act in unrestricted freedom to act in my own best interest. Superman makes that impossible. Uh, and we see that reflected in uh, Luther as well, that, you know, the, the existence of God limits the, the capacities of man. So God has to die in order for man to be ascendant. And the other idea of Superman, who is just not sure whether he wants to commit to that philosophy or not. And there's mm-hmm. no alternative presented, no alternative saying, well, maybe instead of ethical egoism, you, you be altruistic. No, it's it, the question being presented is whether to use his power or not. And whether to be the hero or not. So the theological um, point here is that when you have an ethical egoist like that, self-sacrifice isn't uh, meaningful for the whole. It's something I'm doing because it's in my own self-interest. And really, when is self when is sacrificing myself ever in my self-interest? I'm giving up my life. That's yeah. the most important thing I have. Whereas uh, Jesus Christ enters in not to do his own will, but the will of the one who sent him. Jesus presents himself as being sent, as being on mission, that he comes to accomplish something that is not his own. And this is where we start getting into the mystery of the Trinity, of the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But suffice to say, Jesus makes it very clear, it's not about him. It's about reconciling the world to God and forgiving sins and presenting a way out of the cycle of violence. And so Jesus comes to give his life as a ransom for many. A son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And in that sacrifice, we have an answer to 
the kind of philosophy that's presented in an ethical egoism. No, you don't always act in your own self-interest. You act in the interest of the whole. You act in a way that serves others. And in doing so, what what the, the religion side of things comes in to support that philosophical point, the religious aspect says, and when you do that, when you give yourself, even to the point of giving your own life, Jesus holds out the promise of life after death that you can make even that act of laying down your life, and that's not the end of the story. There is uh, a reward, there is a possibility of living after death that the resurrection of Jesus holds out. So all that being said, that's not present anywhere in this movie because you don't have a real competing ideology to the radical individualism of Batman. You have Superman who's kind of on the fence and kind of ends up trying to have it both ways, trying to save the world and save his world, meaning Lois and the people he cares about. Because uh, you don't, you want Superman to be likable. And we as a culture, we don't like government stooges. We, we don't like uh, characters who cooperate with uh, systems of authority and power. So you can't present Superman in that way in this movie, which robs it of any real ideological conflict. Right, but that's what they did in The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, so yeah. All for America and, you know, all, all all, that Ronald Reagan, Superman and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. was it, is that, see, it's not, it's not present in this movie, but was it somewhat forced, do you think, with his sacrifice at the end of the movie? Um, I mean, there's, that's where, I mean, to jump ahead. I know you haven't gotten there. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. No, I can, don't, it's I don't Friday, wanna... we can jump ahead. Let's do it. <laughs> um. Superman goes into a situation that he knows is going to end in his death because he's holding the kryptonite spear when he does that. And that is just, it's a dumb thing to do when you've got Wonder Woman standing right there. And it's a a dumb thing to do when you've got Batman there, neither of whom are affected by kryptonite. Um, So Superman in making, he makes that choice, but he does so in this, kind of one foot in uh, altruism, one foot in um, ethical egoism, where he says to Lois, this is my world. He makes the choice. You know, he, he says earlier, my world is gone. Now he's made a choice. This is my world. I am going to save this world. I'm going to belong here. But then he also says, you are my world. Like, well, well, okay, so is Superman dying for me or is he just dying for Lois? It's not entirely clear. I mean, because the yeah. in... In the Christ story, Christ gives his life as a ransom for all, to save all humanity from sin. There's no uh, favoritism there. It's it's a universal salvation. Uh, who does right. Superman really care about at the end? Is it Lois? It, is, is, he, Lois. is he dying for Batman and Wonder Woman? It uh, doesn't really mm-hmm. seem like it. It's like Bruce sees it that way. Like he Bruce sees it. The team sees it that he's dying for us in the world, but honestly, and it goes back to what Jonathan Kent, Ghost Jonathan Kent said, like, that's so selfish to say, hey, all right, the answer is love. Like, Mm -hmm. I found your mother. Is that supposed to be, okay, you got to find your version of that. That's Lois. And that's where, like, that brick wall just instantly came up where it's like, no, Superman shouldn't be that selfish. It just shouldn't. And. I don't know, be more of a Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, now he saves the world through his love for Lois. Yes. So so there's a universal application through the particular, which which is fine. I think in terms of the 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 philosophical ideas underpinning this movie, it's just just a bit muddled. It just doesn't, doesn't click. 
And yet that same love for Lois could destroy the world. Yeah. And it's like, it's such a fine line. It's, mm-hmm. it's just fun to play with. I don't know. Hey. Well, was there anything else we could comment on this uh, exact minute? I don't know. I'm tapped. Well, I, I feel bad for you guys. You get another 70 minutes of this movie. I, oh boy. Yeah, but we get into punches now. We're going to see some, <laughs> some violence. Oh, so. okay. All right. Well, as, as we we've established somewhat... that, that's what we've established this week. That's a, that's a good thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, uh, the only, we'll the only other there. thing that I would say, um, when mm-hmm. I was getting ready for these minutes, I spent a lot of time reading a book called From Star Wars to Superman. Uh, it's a book about Christ figures in science fiction and superhero films. So if the Christ and the Cape sections intrigue you, I recommend picking up this book. It's by James uh, Papandrea. Uh, it's P-A-P-A-N-D-R-E-A. Uh, from Star Wars to Superman was a big help in just sussing through some of the themes and uh, theological ideas, even in these minutes. I am looking it up right now, and I'm placing it in my shopping cart on Amazon. Nice. So you guys should do the same. Yeah, no, that's that's one of my biggest intriguing factors of this entire week was was all those lovely installments of Christ in the Cape. They were the whole comparison to Christianity, I I guess, if you will, and you know Catholicism and whatnot in the Superman lore has always intrigued me as mm-hmm. well as it has in Star Wars. So again, that's your you're firing on all all cylinders for me, man. <laughs> oh, great. I'm glad to hear it. Sweet. All right. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in to this week of Dawn of Justice. Um, if you guys enjoyed what you heard and want to voice your own opinions, you can find us on Facebook. We have a listener society. Uh, the title for that is DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. Go check it out. Uh, join in on the conversation. You can find all of our other shows that we do uh, on TooOldMedia.com. Some of those include Tarantino Minute and Austin Powers Minute, as well as uh, some Patreon episodes that you can subscribe to. And uh, don't forget to check out all the internet dealings that we do over on, uh, you know, our Twitter accounts, (laughs) DCEU Minute. Uh, It's a real blast over there. Make sure you check it out. And we're going to check you guys out here next week for another installment of DC Cinematic Minute.